I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bonjour and welcome back to the French Rugby Podcast with me, Tim Groves, ex-Scotland international Johnny Beattie and former France hooker Benjamin Kayser. I think the French rugby politics is in the rearview mirror now and international rugby is back. So we'll have a chat about France-Wales shortly and also look ahead to the final round of the Six Nations as well as talking all things top 14. But Johnny, you left us on a bit of a, a cliffhanger last week because you'd had the Beerus boys around for lunch. A lot of them had tested positive for coronavirus. So did you get your test results back? Is everything okay with the family? So thankfully, yeah. Uh, we, so we had everyone around on Saturday. Then I have to do a week's quarantine in France. So we did our tests on Friday afternoon. Nobody works in France over the weekend. So we got our results back on the Monday <laughs> afternoon. Um, but thankfully we were negative, which meant we could get out and enjoy a couple of days. But following the news from Macron last night, we're now back on semi-permanent lockdown. So now our tests were kind of irrelevant but thankfully everyone's in good health um, and we can get on and enjoy the next phase of lockdown looking forward to it so you had a couple of days out and now you're back in <laughs> we had like a day and a half we have literally like I've just Jen has just dropped me back at the house we've just been out for like the one meal that we think we can have out until December so we just had a you know deep fried camembert for you Benji a glass of red wine some sheepy iron, some nice ham um, but that's us, mate. Tonight we're, we're back locked down. I think it's from midnight tonight. Everything is locked back down in France. So we enjoyed our meal out and we'll now look forward to spending the next month at home as a family. But kids go to school. So it's not all bad. At least kids still go to school. So, so we're all right. Some good time for Jen and I and um, mother-in-law who arrives tomorrow night. So all fun and games. The three of us rattling around in the house for next month. Jeez. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll await news on that with interest in the coming weeks. Yeah. And Benji, obviously, weather not so good over here. Are the windows fixed? How's, how's things going over here? So I've got, I've got a glass roof. I've got some windows. And thank the Lord for that because it is chucking it down like I've never seen anything before. But no, no, gradually getting there. The tension between my wife and I regarding the house uh, renovation is nothing compared to the announcements of, of, of the president. You know, that, that's the real struggle at the moment. But uh, everything's all right, mate. Listen, just, just getting there gradually. There's not a lot of pushing and, and chucking in a skip that I can do anymore, unfortunately. That was my main job. But, uh, but, but we'll get there and just plenty of other things to do. She's there now. She's not in a hotel anymore. 
She's with you. <laughs> yeah, she is. She is. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I get chucked to the hotel now. It's different. <laughs> right. Well, let's talk rugby and uh, France's win over Wales then. So a lot of good performances in that game, but Antoine Dupont in particular. So France renowned for producing great number nines. How good is he right now? And, and how good can he become in the, in the years to come, I guess? Well, you tell me, Johnny, what you think after, but... I was also, <laughs> I'm good mates with Morgan Parra. So who he basically Ooh. stole the position <laughs> from. Uh, and they cannot be more different. And I had long chats with Dimitri Yashvili and all those sort of more classical number nines, excellent kickers, strategic number nines, you know, who would sort of handle a game by, by control and brains almost. And they all had doubts about the fact that is Antoine Dupont, nobody has even a, a single ounce of question of, is he a great player? He is an outstandingly good player. Is he a nine? I reckon if he was a little bit bigger, he could play hooker. He is that powerful. He is that incredibly powerful. To be fair, I think his game has really evolved since they won the 2019 uh, top 14 with Toulouse. Uh, he's really stepped it up. Uh, he's always had this capacity of breaking the line, offloading, bumping off people. He's, he's, he's just a freak. He's an athletic freak, to be fair. But I think he's added a lot to his game now. The best example of the, the counter example is probably this, the try that he, he pretty much sets up for against Wales. It's the shittiest kick, box kick you could find. Yeah. He misses it by 15 meters, but there's a crap bounce. He is this ball. Obviously, I'm sitting down, but he's very short. Okay, but he jumps twice as high as everybody else. He picks it up. Then he bumps somebody off, hands off another one, does a 40 meter sprint inside for Olivon try time. It, it, it won't only happen to him, but he's got that much gas, that much um, self-belief, that much talent that he just goes for things. And he creates things that are just, that will blow my mind. The try that he sets up, well, he pretty much scores again against England, the opening six nations. Remember in the, in the yep. five meter Down channel five and meter. the line out? How many guys can do that? I think he basically hands off Joe Marler, then bumps off a big back row that's coming back and then goes. I mean, he is, he is a freak. So he's always been very, very good. I think he's adding a lot of almost content. I said a lot of, he's got more strings basically at, at, on, on his arc. He's, he, I think he is becoming uh, not only an X factor, but on top of that, a very good strategic nine. And even my mates, Yashvili or Morgan Parra, they hate to admit it, but he is becoming the full shebang, and which is fantastic for, for France because we desperately need him. And I think him and Romain Tamac have got the keys of French rugby until 2023. And to be totally honest, they can take us very, very far, I reckon, because sky's the limit for these two. Especially for your mate, Morgan. That was you confirming that he's already better than Morgan, was it? <laughs> <laughs> At, he, he's definitely not as good a kicker you squirm. Because, he because he can't <laughs> kick but he, he, he I mean that will take you a lot to get Morgan Parra to admit that he'll probably run yeah. away and mumble it whatever but he is yeah he's, he's just special different types of players different type but he is catching up in, the, in his weaker areas he's catching up uh, sprinting so I was with Antoine with Toto he must have been 18 or 19 come straight out of the academy and cast and he was for us, already then, better than Rory Cocker in terms of a bloke and also he, he won't be on the pitch with. He was a freak show, like an absolute freak show. And he, we were asking like how and why, because he's not massively into his gym. He doesn't gym heaps. He's not a massive trainer. He's just smart. He explained that when he was young, he was quite like, so his story is similar to Leo Messi. He had stunted growth and they gave him a bit of growth hormone. But physically, he's just on another level. There's no other scrum half in world rugby like him just now 
by a long shot. There's no one even near him. Um, what he can do when he's on the ball, the situations he can get out of, what he can create with a step, with a fend, with a bump. Again, the 40-meter speed, you just touched on it, Benji. He is absolutely freakish physically. Um, and I think, you know, obviously, if it had been in years previous when the French team wasn't that well organized, he might have battled and he might have been, you know, brought down a peg or two by French press. But, French press. but being with Fabian Galtier, with this coaching team around him, with a decent bunch of players around him, he's now flourishing. With Intermac, that partnership's coming along. They're amazing to watch. And it isn't like there is that much of structured, super structured rugby, but everything he does under Ugo Molia, Ugo Mola at Toulouse and everything that he touches in this French team is turning to gold. So it's amazing to see they've got a long line of little generals that they've had in French rugby. He is absolutely the chef front and center right now. And as you said, Benji, he's got the keys to 2023 and beyond because there's no one else that comes even close. Um, but that's it. He was that way when he was 18. He just keeps getting better and better. Like you touched on the strategic parts, the tactical elements that we maybe didn't see when he was younger. At cast, they didn't even know if he was a nine or a 10. He played some games for us as a standoff because he was just that good and, and dexterous. But that's it now with the, the game time he's got under his belt, the caps that he's generating. Um, he's taking the game to the next level. He's certainly for me the best in the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and he's up there with your Aaron Smiths now on, on that global level um, as one of the best in the world. Absolutely. He's, he's fantastic to watch. His physical attributes were always massive in top 14 because you need to be strong. You need to, as an 18 year old, when you come up against, you know, the top 14 big, big monsters of packs that are everywhere, you need to be strong. You need to be resilient. You need to have that extra grit about him. He is not afraid of contact. He is not afraid of tackling. He's not afraid of jackling. He can do it. But then as soon as you step into an international level, not only do you be, need to be strong, but you need to be efficient and you need to be smart and you need to, have to up that pace. And I think that took him a little bit of a while. I, I know for a fact that Fabian Galtier absolutely adores him. Like they, they've put him as, as their X factor because to be fair to them as well, they know that international rugby, you just need a little bit of a sparkle. If you get a semi-radradra who will get four guys on him but still flip and offload, same like Sony Bill Williams, whatever, however good they are or not, that's just an unbeatable advantage against the defense when they're extra tight, extra well-organized. And that's what he creates. He will create an overlap for you that nobody else can do. You will want to have Bidi Vonipolav with him uh, playing for you because he's incredibly powerful. Well, bloody hell, we've got Antoine Dupont. He's not the same size, <laughs> but, but he can do some serious damage. So they know they can create... This thing, and I think from knowing from the inside, they pretty much told him, listen, we will not blame you for your little mistakes. I think he feels very much full. He's already full of confidence, but he's got the backing of the national side as well, which is very important. Like Johnny said, the press could have been a little bit mean with him. They could have mingled, you know, they, they can bring you down a little bit. He's got the full support of the, of the, of the team behind him, of the coaching staff. And, and I really do think at international level, he just fits it like a dream. You need to bring something else. You need to bring that speed and that, and that difference making. And that's why he, he's been so, uh, so, so good. I don't know what you think, Benji, but I found playing top 14 because people were so big and heavy. For me, going to international rugby afterwards was almost a treat because you were more powerful. And so it, it, because you're playing against those big, heavy boys, like you just said, for Antoine, it's easier in some respect because you're, yeah. you're playing against, you know, light Scottish or English or the frame of people is different in international rugby because there has to be so much grind and so much anaerobic, you know, ball and time play. So for Antoine Dupont, Vakatawa, these guys who are able to do something different physically and bust the gain line and offload, the world's an oyster um, and they're on fire at the moment. You mentioned what he's like as a bloke as well, Johnny. Um, I won't ask you what Rory Cockett's like as a bloke, but um, Antoine Dupont, 
what what is he like? I know it was a while when you while black when you played with him, but but yeah. what's he like as a character? Top bloke. And the nice thing was, in all rugby cultures, when you come through as a youngster, people can be wary or of pissing off elder statesmen or upsetting a hierarchy or he did not give a shit. That was the best bit was that he came in, he had his own sense of humor. He wasn't afraid to chip away at people or politics or to, to give older boys a hard time or to push his pack of forwards. He was a delight, honestly, really, really good bloke, great sense of humor, funny. Um, I'm trying to think the, the word they would say in French. He's, he's just, he, he's hilarious. Good sense of humor on him. And he wasn't afraid of pushing people around or, or asking for what he needed done. Um, so he was great. And, and obviously, you know, that's maybe what, four or five seasons ago now, layers upon year, he's built upon his character and his play and he's going from strength to strength. So no, it was clear as day. He came in as an 18 year old kid and he was going to be a superstar. There was no doubt about it. You saw physically how he was. You saw mentally his approach to the game. Didn't take himself too seriously. Good bloke, good head in his soldiers. Um, and he is absolutely flying just now. So, so well done to him. And you add his X factor to a guy you just mentioned, Rumi Fakatawa, and you put them in a structure and, and you've got that X factor that people want to see from France. But in terms of the game itself at the weekend, were you disappointed with what Wales offered or were you just really impressed with France? No, I wasn't dis- disappointed by Wales. I actually was very impressed with the, the adaptability that the French players showed to international rugby just because I, I thought they would be, because of the setup. I mean, let's face it, uh, 10 days before we weren't sure if Charles Livon was going to be released from Toulon to actually go and meet up with the squad. Huh? So we go from, we, we leave from from uh, 10 meters behind the line. You know, on a 100 meter race, we're always starting 10 meters behind. Um, it's, uh, so, so it's a bit of a tough one. So not only that, they had to sort of swallow that uh, because obviously you, you hear what everything that's going on and that adds a little bit of pressure. Uh, they regathered very well. I think the one thing that the, the coaching staff did very well is to stick to the exact same team that finished Six Nations. And credit to them. Uh, typically, like the hooker situation. Camisha at the moment is destroying everyone. Um, he's a bit like Antoine Dupont. He had his ups and downs about never even a question of is he an athlete out of a freak of nature. But again, a hooker for me is scrummaging, lineouts, defense, zero penalty. He's not the most clinical hooker you will find. But he's catching up on, on, on that level as well. And, and he's killing it for racing. He just finished a very, very strong uh, Champions Cup final. So you would think he would, he would start. They still stuck to Julien Marchand, who actually only got the jersey because Kamisha was injured in the beginning of Six Nations. So that's a sign of uh, Mohamed Awas. You know, we spoke about it. He, big trouble for the last few weeks, months, whatever. They stuck with him. So that was also credit to the coaching staff. We're always saying how there was too much change and, you know, and this and that, and we never know who's going to be picked. They stuck to their strategy. And I think that really, really paid off. So I was impressed by them. Um, I was scared that the lack of fans and the lack of excitement around it um, was going to be a hard one to swallow. I thought they did very well. Uh, I thought they produced some great rugby. And I think at the moment, the X factors of the French team are on a different planet. So Vakatawa, Antoine Dupont, Romain Tamak, Camille Richard, when he comes on, they are on absolute fire. Like I thought Wales were atrocious, personally. <laughs> but that's because of the high standards they've set over the past 10 years. They've set such a high bar and they've overstretched themselves that to see them perform like that was disappointing and rare. Um, but then that maybe also gives us a little bit in, of insight into how effective and how strong and how powerful that coaching team of Gatland and Edwards were. Like the what they got out of that Welsh unit was way above what they should. So I, I thought Wales, in terms of their ability to hold on to ball, you know, not cough up ball, their 
simple things like like getting round behind a corner of rock and, and forming a defensive line, they were all over the place. Do you not think, Johnny, that it's also credit to sort of Sean Edwards' defensive system? That's what it does to teams. It destroys you because it, it takes so much fatigue, yeah. puts so much fatigue on the opposition and stuff. And that's what you sort of saw. They look dismantled because of that. Yeah, but I wasn't sure how, again, watching the game, there's, there's so many instances where it was, you know, Reese Webb would stand up and just try and chuck. It, it didn't even look like they were organized. They were just trying to ship the ball away to speed the ball up. Schoolboy errors. France were picking the ball up, turnover ball, unstructured play, which they absolutely love. We all know they absolutely love. And that was it. I think three tries came off Welsh turnovers. Like you give Fiku half a sniff, Tipperick, he's all at sea, shoots way out past the ball out of line defensively all over the place. We're not used to seeing that from Wales. Fiku straightens a line, nice ball to Vakatawa, try time. Ball on a plate for Antoine Dupont. Things that we haven't seen from Wales in a long, long time. I mean, conversely, what I absolutely loved with the French team with Galtier is, is the consistency, consistency that you said, but also the fact they had two training sessions together. Mm. That, that's all the French team got together was two training sessions. It looked for me they'd simplified. They haven't or didn't have the time that they had previously during the main tournament to you know, use their blitz defense. They didn't do that at all in this game. So that was the one change. They just said, look, let's come together, stay as a unit, come up as a line press. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. The one time they came undone was when um, Intermac flew out the line on the first, you know, the first play Wales have. They score a try. And, you know, after that, they're 10 minutes down, 10 points down in 10 minutes. And I'm thinking, geez, you know, for these French boys, there's no crowd, hard to be motivated. This mm -hmm. is going to go one way. And I was seriously scared for them. I was hugely impressed by how they dug in. They dug it out. X-Factor players, as you said, but also they put so much pressure on Wales that they cracked. Um, and we haven't seen that for a long time. So again, I'm loving the fact that this French team has got a bit of steel about it with Galtier, with Edwards coming in. They've got a bit of something different that we haven't seen for a while, but they have got this sprinkle of gold dust that we, we love to see in the French for that we love to talk about with your Duponts, your Intermax, your Vakatawas your Fikus, I mean, they're just on fire. So it was a mix. But for me, honestly, I was really, really disappointed with this Welsh team. I haven't seen them as poor for a long, long time. But the, the French boys, to be fair, I thought were exceptional. So it was a real balance. But I never thought there would be that big of a gap between the two teams. It was huge. It was a chasm between the two teams, really, at the end. Wales certainly going through a transition in terms of the way they, they want to play as well. But I just want to get your thoughts on one kind of negative in, incident in the game. And, and with a bit of luck, we might be having a chat with him on the show at some point soon, but Bernard LaRue, was he a bit lucky to get away with this incident involving Alan Wynne-Jones? And also, does he not know that you can't do that to Alan Wynne-Jones? You can't touch the king like that. I, I think he got extremely lucky. Extremely lucky. Like, I, I am... I am <laughs> so surprised that I almost think it's a mistake. Bernard LaRue is a lovely bloke who commits 350% on the, on, the, on, on the pitch. He gives his heart and soul... Um, he's also got this responsibility as a South African born to prove that you want, you know, to play for France and, and to do all that. So it's, it's not easy, you know, it, it takes a lot of toll. And I was there when he started playing for the, for the, for the French team. And he was the type of bloke who's, you know, they always hesitated. Is he a lock or is he a six? He's originally a six. He's, he's your Juan Smith, you know, the, those big, heavy South African six that were just there to demolish blokes. But he can run for days and, and, and he was just a workhorse. So international rugby, they decided to put him there. He did not moan one bit. You know, he's that type of dude who's got the attitude of, listen, as long as I play, as long as you hit me, let me hit people, and then I'm happy. You know, let me do my th 35 rucks in, in a row when I can. He just flies in there every single time. That's just him. So whether it was Alwyn Jones or anybody else with a red jersey 
or with a blue jersey for that for that matter because he just goes into it um he he would have smoked them the only thing that so i'm not bothered about him catching alvin jones chucking him that's not a problem it's just a cheeky elbow right at the end johnny knows it you know it it's it's 100 intentional and it is because it's Alwyn Jones then. Not at the beginning, but at the end, yes. He's like, listen, I got you. Bang, take that. He didn't hurt him. He, he wasn't going it, to. It's not a big thing. He's really not going to be injured for that. But I just think it's, 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 it was clear and obvious that's a little bit of a foul play. He doesn't deserve 10 weeks or whatever, but he deserves a little something. I watched it live, saw exactly what was happening, go through the back of the rock, and I was like, TMO is going to get that. He's going to be gone. Yeah. I could so not I believe that they did not pick it up at the time. So I have no idea how they didn't pick it up. For me, it was cut and clear as day. So he's been super lucky to get away with it. And to get away with it subsequently as well. Yeah, exactly. After yeah. being cited, it makes it even stranger. But for me, really lucky they didn't get picked up on the field. I think if he'd been picked up on the field, it would have been a yellow card straight away off 10 minutes, which could have changed the game. But like Benji said, just the way he plays and the way he has played for Racing for you know, five, six, seven years now, um, he is brutal. And, and for me, he absolutely, in the in the test arena, in international rugby, he is a, a tight headlock. You compare him to Valemsi and how he plays, he's a tight headlock for the top 14, you know, really big, heavy dude. Um, whereas LaRue has that athleticism, has that brutality, even though he's a little bit lighter, he's dynamic, he gets around the pitch and he dominates collisions. And that's what you want in your tight headlock. So he was lucky to get away with just a slap on the wrist, but um, another good performance by that man. Somebody that we don't really talk about that much, but the work that he sticks in um, is outstanding. He's, he's a real machine um, in that second role for France. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And let's look ahead to the final round of the Six Nations now. So France can technically still win the title, but it's obviously a massive long shot. We all know that. So uh, do you give them any chance? What kind of percentage? I mean, they're going to have to go some, aren't they? I, I don't think, I don't think, unfortunately, they stand a chance just because because even I think it's even if they get the bonus point against Ireland, which is very very tough, um, England I think will get the bonus point against Italy. Yeah. So so no, I, th- I think it's a long run, but I think it's completely irrelevant. Uh, I think once once they lost in Scotland, the Grand Slam is is one thing. Just again, take two steps back, press pause, and realize where we come from. Uh, it's, it's been ten years that we've been waiting to actually say, oh, we can actually win this on the last one. Yeah. So they don't care. They will not be disappointed. They were disappointed after the Scottish loss. Okay. They assessed that and that's okay. But then today they're actually looking at it as just give our best. And if we lose, we lose. If we finish second, it's still fantastic compared to what we've done. You know, there's always a way of assessing it. Remember, opening game against in England, outstanding. Italy was okay. Extraordinary game against Wales in the millennium. And then a crappy performance against Scotland. So if you manage that with to beat, if you... Add to that, sorry, beating Ireland on the last one, it's definitely a big win and a strong new first six nations for Galtier and his coaching staff. And it's easy to forget, isn't it, that I think think it's seven in the last eight years or something, France have finished in the bottom half of the six nations. So with all the talent, it's easy to forget that. But this is a major step forward already for this this France side. 100%. I mean, it's it's, um, 2010, uh, Grand Slam win, the François Trindruc, Morgan Parra and the old generation of Harry Nordeke and all that extraordinary win don't forget that there's almost two intercept tries against Wales in Wales at the, at the millennium you know it was it was hell of a game and then after that there's the 2011 World Cup we should have lost in the pool stages we should have not even made it to the quarterfinals after that because we're French and we created this whole animosity against the press and this heart and soul of a team who decided to actually put the coach at the side and do their own thing created this incredible human adventure finally uh, exposed to the world that they're actually their talent as a team and as individual players demolished uh, England in quarterfinals should have lost to Wales in the semi and then should have won the final against New Zealand there's only us for that okay since then it's been the dark cloud it's been because that's when I came back to international rugby basically but <laughs> it's, it's, it's 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 Philippe Saint-André then Guinoves then the league and the federation hated each other poor performances you win one game you think you're going to win six, the Grand Slam and then you end up losing the next three so no no a lot of a disappointment for the last few years this is our rebirth you know so never forget that that's what we were in last February so it's a huge huge positive and to flip it on its head, obviously Ireland have got a, a chance of winning the to- tournament, a better chance than than France. But I think they've only scored four tries in Paris once ever, and that was in a defeat. So it shows how much they've got to do. So from both of you, I guess, we've, we've talked up this France side and how good they are, how much X factor they've got, how much talent they've got. If you're Ireland, who have done well against France recently, how do they win this game and how do they go about playing it? Because you can't just chucking around trying to score four tries from the off can you I don't know I think if you take it back to basics there's a sort of changing in the guard through the Six Nations so with the changing in coaching regimes 
it's sad to say, but I think Wales and Ireland, well, Wales definitely, I think, are slipping. I think you've had one of the best coaches of all time in Warren Gatland leading them. You've also had one of the best coaches in the professional era with Joe Schmidt in Ireland. Can Farrell match that? That's still to be seen. Whereas, you know, for France, they're definitely pushing forward. They, they have not been where they where they should have been, where we want to be, where we want to see them. Um, so this is a real chance for the Six Nations to sort of refine an order. Um, in terms of the specifics of Ireland and France, you've got to think back to, like, I don't know, Benji, for you having watched the games and that last gap drop goal for Johnny Sexton, for me, they always seem to be quite tight games. Although there was early dominance, I'm saying early dominance, like going back decades, France dominated Ireland for years. Ireland have been very strong over the past 10 years. So with a French mentality and a French psyche, what would you say this French side has to do to put Ireland away this weekend? What's really interesting is that I always believe, so France-England has always been the big game, Six Nations, for years, and it always will be. But the winner of that game was usually the biggest, the fastest, the most powerful, the most incredible team. You know, when England were on fire, they were unstoppable. That 2003, Johnny Wilkinson and all that, the World Cup winners, they were just un- unbeatable. The, the old fellas of the Fabien Galtier and Arinor Doki and Fabien Pelous and that old generation, when they were on their high, they were unstoppable. And then it was, you know, who was going to win? And then Ireland, I think, brought something completely different, which was a good set of players, a very good team. But how many of them actually started for the Lions? So a good set of players, but they were coached, like you said, Johnny, by an extraordinary rugby brain. Joe Schmidt. And so they were the team for me that always came with a new rule, a new law, uh, choke tackles, you know, um, playing the high balls, kicking territory. Um, Polo Connell would come with some sort of defense in the lineouts to just, they were the smartest team I've ever seen for years. They were only matched basically by the ABs because not only did they have the talent, but they also have the brain. It's it's the link is pretty quick. It's 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 because it's a Kiwi coach that was behind us, and they have this faculty of finding little tweaks and 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 tiny little gaps, you know, that make things different. So, I really do believe that Ireland, normally, that's what they've been uh, giving to us. They always bring a special attitude, a special understanding of the law, a special way of of of, of applying a strategy. And like you said, I think Farrell, unfortunately, is trying to do the same thing, but with a different personnel. Um, and I do not feel that they're adding anything new. So I think for this game, France need to stick to exactly what they're good at. Back yourself. Go with the full tilt of understanding that we need to put the Teddy Toma who's made for international rugby in space. Vakatawa, well, he's not playing, sorry, but yeah. you need to put the, these guys, you know, those, those lightning fellas. You need to put Vakatawa in space. You need to give a bit of ball to Gael Fiku. The only thing you need to be wary of is that the Irish are smart enough to say, Gael Fiku will play on the wing, then we will kick on his head. Um, you know, this, all those little things. Antoine Dupont loves to carry, then we will jump on him even before he can set, set off. Otherwise, we will not catch him. They will have that extra edge. But my f- gut feeling is that France will blow them away because they will back themselves on their strengths, on their speed and on their power, which at the moment, they are a step ahead of, of Ireland. And Ireland cannot match this gap with normally sort of the strategic advantage that they used to have, which I feel they don't have anymore. And just going back to those times when you faced Ireland, Benji, like over the course of the past decade, when Ireland have done so well against France, have France been outcoached in those games? Outcoached, but also out, outplayed in a smart way. It was always, it was random. Getting, getting prepared for England, France or France, England is the easiest thing in the world. 
because on the Monday at eight o'clock in the morning, everybody's ready. Everybody's roaring and you're just pushing on. You're almost holding the boys back. Don't just don't kill them. You know, there's this anger and this motivation that's within that's in our blood. Ireland, you sort of need to create something because we actually like the Irish. <laughs> We've got nothing against them. <laughs> They're lovely people who we get along really well with are extremely hospitable. Um, I mean, maybe we'll speak about him later, but Jonathan Sexton, I hate his guts to the last <laughs> to the last drop of sweat on the pitch. He's the loveliest bloke you've ever met off the pitch, you know, and they're all like that. So you, you have this camaraderie with them that we always shared some good moments on, off the pitch, whatever it was. And so you need to create this animosity against them and bear in mind that they're going to come up with something special. So yes, you're right. I think they, we were out coached for a long, long time. And even the players were out played in the way that they applied that strategy on the pitch. The, the best example is, is the choke tackle. Everybody team in the, every team in the world tried to do it. They were the only one to do it perfectly. We always found the hardest thing playing against Ireland was getting the ball back. Mm-hmm. Because they're so well controlled and so marshaled, obviously so well coached, and their plays are so well thought through off the field getting the ball back from Connor Murray and Johnny Sexton was almost mission impossible. And then once you got it back, you had to get it and keep it in the right areas of the field. So that's the, the biggest thing for me. And I think it'll be the biggest change in this week's game is that Wales in a lot of respects were poor and I cannot see Ireland going to Paris and being as poor. So it's can France. Yes. I think they will be physically dominant, superior, more powerful, but can they get the ball back off this Irish side, who I think will bombard them with high balls, kick pressure, squeeze them, try to get France to play out of their third of the field and turn them over. Can they get ball off this French pack and the French halfbacks in decent areas of the field to be able to convert? I think that's going to be the challenge for, for France this weekend. But one last thing about Ireland before you go, we move on, Tim, is that it's one thing that is true that we never really, maybe the one, I just think thought about it now. One of the reasons why there was not that much animosity on top of the fact that they're a lovely nation. It's also that we, we, we use, we, the French clubs, we used to beat them regular on a regular basis in the Champions Cup. Leinster have been extraordinary, okay? I've beaten Leinster many, many times. I do not remember out of 37 caps beating Ireland many times. I didn't <laughs> want to bring it out, but I don't think you did. <laughs> I don't think I've ever have, did I? No. Oh, it's pretty incredible. So, Sorry. Uh, it's, no, well, that's fine. But you know what I mean? But I've beat Munster in Munster, Leinster in Leinster, and repeatedly. And it was, it was almost in our heads that that's the, we could compensate with the quality of players at club level. But then when you take the extra step, the coaching is just, is just so important. So it was a bit tough. But to create this animosity, we have to address the fact that a couple of years ago, um, Johnny Sexton with a, a, a right foot to 45 meter drop goal at the 84th minute after 35 phases of picking goals and holding the ball, absolutely crucified. Not only France, but if you can, if you have the video, watch Guillaume Girardot's poor face just when he kicks that drop goal. That and that little shit doesn't even wait for the ball to go through the posts. He's already celebrating because he knows he's got it. That's how good he is. And you have to see Guillaume Girado, who just gave another huge performance of 78 minutes of putting his body on the line and giving every inch of, of sweat and blood or whatever he's got in his soul. And he gets crucified again. And that, that, is, deep, that is deep into the French sort of brain and psychic and, and into our blood. So I'm sure they will use that image and, and that hurt that they, they put on us that day as motivation there's been quite a few changes obviously in the front side since two years ago but 
they'll all be reminded of that this week. There'll be a photo of Johnny perhaps on the dressing room wall. Um, but people have questioned him, haven't they, Johnny Sexton, since that moment two years ago. He was obviously named World Player of the Year. Since then, he's, he's obviously aged. But some people have said, is he, is he still the player that he once was? His form seems to be right back now. What's he like? to play against obviously you mentioned your hatred for him Benji presumably from you both played against him presumably he's um tough bloke to play against yeah he's a tough bloke because he's very good uh I mean he's like Owen Farrell yeah, yeah I want to hate him I, I really do and deep bottom of my heart I want to hate him because he's he caused me a lot of hurt but you've got you've got to say that they're just absolutely fantastic players and I have to say I should, maybe I should have retired earlier not to hold so much grudge on other p- players, but I bumped into him by doing commentary <laughs> late, for another game. And he genuinely went out of his way to come and see me, congratulate me for my career. You know, it's just one of those really nice things. You could tell that he's, he's an extraordinary competitor uh, who's got this killer instinct on the pitch. Uh, is he the same player as two years ago? Absolutely not. He's not as well physically, but I think he's even better in his knowledge, his 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 wisdom about the game. But that's just that's what age does to you. So, no, he's not the same. I think he was a horrendous competitor on the pitch because he had that attitude that you just want to punch him in the nose. But but he, he you got to say hats off to a hell of a player, a hell of a competitor, incredibly skilled with a lot of pressure. I mean, something that I didn't. I'm not familiar with because I don't play the same position, but because it's a much, much bigger country. Ireland is, is small, you know, so it's, it's, he was a number 10 of, the, of Leinster and Ireland. I mean, the, the responsibility on the shoulders was ginormous. The weight of the nation. So you, you just got to say hats off to an incredible career. When he bows down and he goes, they're going to have to build him a statue down there because it's, he, he's a hell of a player. Hopefully, he'll be one of these blokes that COVID will give a lease of extra life to. Like you said, physically, he's maybe not the same, but mentally he's still sharp as attack like the way that he drives his team around the field has done for Leinster and Ireland and the Lions for years there's not many like him um he absolutely is a leader a driver um and the mastermind behind decision making the process they go through on the field um through the week the build up you know taking over from O'Connell these guys that have built a huge legacy with this Irish team um and Johnny still absolutely is the forefront of that he's been tremendous for every team that he's played for um and mentally he's one of the sharpest players in the northern hemisphere again so uh for me absolutely it was horrible to play against but in the nicest sense of that turn of phrase because he was so good he is a quality operator and a properly good bloke off the field so um no i hope he is a good game again this weekend um and he can drive that team back the pitch and another one of ireland's experienced heads kian healy winning his 100th cap for ireland this weekend, you must have locked horns with him a few times, Benji. Any memories of Kian Haley? What's he? What's he like to play against? Um, probably one of the, the one of the fittest loose heads props in the world for a long, long time. Um, a bit of a gym brat, I reckon. Uh, Strong. Probably, man. probably, probably. You know, as he doesn't have a bed, he sleeps on the bench press or something. But he's <laughs> he, he he is a strong, strong athlete. Um, not the most vicious scrummager, clean, powerful, one-on-one battling guy. Very good rugby player, I think. Very good prop, very solid, very reliable. Um, and again, it's one of those little stories. I don't. Do you remember in? I think it was in 2014 we got attacked myself, Rougerie, and Julian Pierre by Machetis. Did you guys hear yeah. about that? It's quite of a crazy story that we'll, we'll talk about it another time. But just one of those stupid moments of the world where you're you're just trying to get out of a situation and you come up with crazy fuckers who thought it would be fun to get Machisi and try to chop you in pieces. 
And um, so obviously everything is a bit in shock. And I have to say, he sent me a genuinely super nice message mm. um, out of nowhere, just being like, you know, it's, it's a bit of the front row love. You know, we've battled so many times against each other. He genuinely meant, are you okay? I got another message from Carl Heyman that I... You're a strange bunch, eh, front rowers? <laughs> yeah, you never say anything until, you know, shit really hits the fan. And then he sent me a really nice message, genuinely being like, listen, if I can do anything, let me know. Obviously, he wanted to jump on the plane and go and take care of them, but that would have been too late. But uh, that, that was one of those moments. So, so again, to, to get out of your way to do that, I think... I think that shows a lot of, of who he is as a bloke and the kind of heart that he's got inside him. We'll definitely save that story for uh, for another time, Benji. But you won your oh, last cap against uh, you won your last cap against Ireland as well, didn't you? In 2015. So, yeah, those kind of clashes against Ireland. I know they're not. It's not La Crunch. It's not England. But do they hold a special place? And we've spoken about how you didn't beat them. But do they kind no. of? God, I can't. <laughs> I'm really bringing up bad memories for you, but like, do you have any particular memories from those games? No, I hate every single one of them. <laughs> like nothing. No, the only memory that I've got is my first actually encounter with Ireland. We played in Crook Park, you know, in the that yeah. other stadium. And I think if I don't get it wrong, they won- They lost once against France in 2005. Vincent Clerc scoring at the 80th minute. Remember that one? That was the and the only other time they played at Crook Park while the Aviva was getting redone against France. Anyhow, was that one. And I'm telling you, there was 100,000 Irish who wanted to kill us. They wanted to rip our hearts out that day. And we, we got beaten. And that was my, that was my first uh, come back into the Six Nations after, after a couple of years off. But it, uh, so it wasn't an extraordinary memory, but it was still strong. Still, you, 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 you realize that there was sort of sporting history. You know what I mean? So even if you're on the wrong side of the win, I, I'm a huge fan of stadiums. I love stadiums. I would walk into an empty stadium and just sit there and have a feel of the atmosphere. For me, it's the Coliseum. You know, it's really, there are our arenas of, of gladiators and, and Krupp Park has got this edge. It's got something special about it. Uh, so I felt um, very privileged to, 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 to be part of that. But that's my only, that's my only good, half-ish good memory of Ireland. The rest are rubbish. And bringing it back to uh, this weekend's game. So you mentioned Gail Fiku being moved to the wing from centre before. Sean Edwards has spoken in the past about how he'd made Gail Fiku his defensive captain. But then this is not the first time they have moved him to the wing before when, when there's been injuries. So what do you make of that? move so i mean remember last time that he played on the wing if i'm not wrong mistaken was with um was with guinoves when they lost by 44 points in twickenham um and they got absolutely trashed and and johnny may scored two tries out of high balls and this and that he was completely out of position uh you're 100 right that sean edwards made him his sort of defensive captain of the backs impulsing that line because as a second center you know you like perfect position to sort of see what's going on this and that johnny mentioned a couple of minutes ago that on that first game the only thing they do is they didn't bliss defense i reckon and i'm not sure that might be um, not correct the only player of that team who does not know how to blitz defense is teddy toma he cannot do it he is dreadfully bad at it he is lightning fast lightning fast but he can't tackle for his life and he just doesn't understand that thing because he's been used for years and years to just catch up guys. What's the name of the, the Welsh winger who got his first cap from Gloucester, the, the electric fella? Lewis Rees Samet. I, sh- I looked at his highlight on his first touch and I was like, look, he's got his first touch. Did you see that he's like five meters ahead of Teddy Toma? Teddy Toma catches him in 10 meters. Yeah. And nobody is actually saying, yes, Rees uh, Hamet, whatever, is extraordinary fast, but Teddy Toma 
I, th- I reckon honestly, he can run the hundred meters just above eleven seconds. He, he is tries. that fast. He's a freak. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a nightclub at the end of the hundred meters, <laughs> you know, VIP. Uh, it, that's 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 how fast he is. But so in the defensive system, he does not look, like to rush because I'll, I'll catch them later. But so now I reckon putting Gael Fico on the wing is not his favorite position. It's not where he should be playing. But they're like, listen, he's too important for us. The young Arthur Vincent from Montpellier playing second center has done fantastic stuff in the last six nations with uh, Vakatawa. So now we can go back to our system of rushing out, rushing out. Because it's true for the wingers, it, it, they do have a lot of, of, of work to do and they can't cock it up. Otherwise, they, put, they jeopardize the whole operation. I think that Fabian and his team, again, going back to consistency that you talked about earlier, Benji, they will get Arthur Vincent in there. Um, they could have had Arthur Retier from La Rochelle, but he hasn't played. Mm. He's uncapped. And I think mm. so for Fabian, it's how can I get consistency, but how can I get all of my best players on the pitch at the one time? Like, I, I, I don't enjoy Gail Fuku on the wing. I, I think playing him out of position does him a disservice. I think it's hard for him positionally. And I think he will be peppered with high balls um, by Johnny Sexton and Connor Murray, which doesn't make it easier. But I think for Fabian, he doesn't have much choice. It's, it's a big last game. They want to win at home. Um, and you're not going to stick a new cap in on the wing with a defensive system. I don't think they'll rush again. I just think for Fabian, it's all about how can I get my best players, my leaders, the guys that I can count on that have done well over these past four games on the pitch. And I think that's the only reason that Fiku has been, has been pushed out. Um, Arthur Vincent, again, watching him from Montpellier, like he hasn't been that great defensively he gets caught out quite a lot from Montpellier um, so for me I'm not sure if it would have been a smarter move like longer term to to bring in the young fella Retier who's been doing really good things for La Rochelle stick him on the wing give him that first taste play him in his position where he's comfortable and bleed him for the future because there's not that many tests between now and the World Cup and I think he might be a part of it so we've spoken about how Ireland have only scored four tries once ever in Paris obviously they're coming up against the Sean Edwards defence the toughest in the business you mentioned there Arthur Vincent defensively has been found wanting a few times potentially high balls onto Gael Fiku's wing where are the areas that you think if you're Ireland you're looking at this French side because realistically they need to score four tries where are you targeting for me certainly it's not the middle of the park like you look at that French pack there's so much power there's so much beef there's so much over ball contesting and that's not where I look to take them on for me it's about speed you saw how the Welsh did it once with that first, you know, second phase try from line out, help the middle try and beat the French pack around the corner and try and force a three-quarter line to make a mistake. But I think more generally, I just think they'll try and control the game. They'll try and pressurize, whether it's kick pressure, kick chase, um, kicking corners, territory. They'll almost try and bore this French team for one of another phrase to death. Um, and I think that's what you have to do. France now have found another gear defensively in that they are powerful. They go forward, they smash, they're destructive, they turn over, they counterattack off that ball. So I don't think Ireland are going to mess around at all in the middle third of the pitch. I think they're going to kick the ball to death and they're going to get try and get down the other end of the field. Um, so that's it. If I was Ireland, that's how I would try and structure. I would try and pressurize the French um the French players try and make them play out their third, make it difficult, boring, and try and force them to, you know, one chip and chase option or one risky mispass, and that's where you snaffle a ball. But in terms of scoring four tries, I don't know. I think Scotland, France were down to 14 men with Momo Huas, who got sent off. Scotland scored three tries. I think England scored two, and so did Wales. They scored two as well against them. But I, I cannot see Ireland going and scoring four tries, unless there's something crazy happens. I can't see them scoring four tries against that French back. No way. So let's get your predictions then. I assume you both think that England are going to win the title, but who's winning? France, Ireland, England, Italy? 
via Scotland. Yeah, I see. I I see Wales uh, actually outperforming, but by, uh, by a tiny bit. Scotland just because they had a poor performance last week, so they need to step it up. To be fair, Johnny's um, not happy. But but what can three double w- w- cup winners you know b- can bring to a, as a boost? And and Finn Russell, who, who's on fire, what what can they bring to the Scottish side? It just it just you know, we'll, we'll, there'll be a very exciting thing to see. If it, it's not a millennium, it's in clinically. Uh, there'll be no crowd. So it's obviously a different sort of setup. I really do think Italy, unfortunately, will struggle to hold back England, who will win comfortably. Um, and I really do think that France will have put a big performance against uh, Ireland. Um, knowing them, I am not sure after five minutes, either on both sides. I reckon both sides beating comfortably the other, whether it's France or Ireland, Without the bonus point, we'll consider it a fantastic victory and we'll be like, listen, well done, England, you deserve it, whatever it is. If in the 10th minute, they're both, one of the team is three tries up, you know, and sort of be winning by 20 points, of course, then they're going to refuse the points and go full on to try to get that bonus point. But I don't see Ireland playing a tap and go a five minutes away from their line after one minute. They will control the game. They will try to go around that rush defense, which they do very well by kicking high balls, by kicking in the corner. By They don't actually expose themselves wide to wide. You know, the, the, the rush defense is very complicated if you always try to hit the, the, the five meter channels on both sides. But Ireland don't do that do they they use that three sort of pistons uh role with the three forwards on each side and you know and they'll play behind so i don't think it, it actually suits it, it's not too much in there a problem for ireland to to deal with it i just think france again will, will only try to deal with their stuff and their stuff is we've been waiting for 10 years to be good we've been waiting for nine years let's just say to have a decent six nations so now we've done two-thirds of it well we just need to win at home, do, uh, put out a good performance. If you can get the bonus point, good, but it's still Ireland in front of you. You still need to remember where we were a year ago. Just keep the humility, stay with your feet on the ground and put out a good performance. So ex- excited to see what, go- what goes to, to play. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement. I think that England are obviously going to have way too much for Italy. Um, I think if that Wales-Scotland game had been played in March, I think Scotland would have gone down there and done a job in Cardiff for the first time in a long time. I just think that the the changes behind the scene in Wales and a few players ageing, a few guys not quite fit. Um, and again, I think we saw the impact last week Finn had when he came off the bench against Georgia. He was electric, opening gaps everywhere. So I just think, again, you, you said there, Benji, but going to Lanethley where there's no crowd, there's nothing to play for. Um, Scotland have got a lot to play for. Um, emotionally, they haven't won down in Wales for a long time. We've suffered down there in Cardiff. So um, I think for the first time in a long time, Scotland will sneak that game in Lanethley. Um, and similarly for France-Ireland, I think Ireland are probably the better organised team on paper and have been for, for so long. But I think look at those emotional drivers, the 10 years that of pain for that French team. Like you don't have any good memories against Ireland, Benji. And I hope for this generation now, um, it's the change and it's the start of something special for, for them and this group, but also for the Six Nations. I think we've been missing a French team that's firing, that's that's flashy, that's, that's gritty and determined. And I think this hopefully could be the win um, that gets France off to a flyer um, over the next couple of years leading into that World Cup in 2023. So England to win. To, to lift the trophy and win the championship, Scotland to win away and France to win uh, narrowly, I would say, against Ireland in Paris. You heard it here first. Uh, let's touch on the top 14 as well as international rugby. So there were some more big away wins. So crowds, absence of crowds, maybe maybe playing a factor again. Lyon won at Toulouse. Racing won the Paris derby at Stade Francais. 
And then poor old Ajen as well, Johnny, struggling. Yeah, but it's a huge result for my old mates at Bayonne. So I'm not sure what you guys think, but I think that now effectively buries Ajen. Like I can't see any way for them realistic. The way they're playing, the, the manner they go about their games, their body language on the field. Unfortunately for them, there's a real disconnect. There's a distance now between them and the rest of the pack. They look like a team that their rugby should be played in, in Prodi Do, without being disrespectful to Prodi Do. They look like they have a disconnect with the top 14. And again, it didn't have to be that way. Victor Moreau, we've, we've spoken about him before, absolute brain explosion, clears out somebody, smashes somebody's head, gets red carded after 10 minutes and the, the game is over. So Ajen are battling and it does not help losing games at home to, to Bayonne. I mean, that is a direct concurrence to go down and, to, and, to, and to, for relegation. So huge win for Bayonne um, after having lost at home to La Rochelle the week before, but it does not get any easier, unfortunately, for Ajen. They are really, really struggling. Uh, they're struggling and unfortunately they seem not have too much solution out there. The coach is almost, you know, hands down saying this, I don't know what to do. Uh, so it's a bit complicated. Uh, to Did be you fair, see him just at half-time? Yeah, yeah, man. He's, so he's, 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 he's giving up pretty much. In, instead of going in and like team talk for the boys, message, let's, let's go troops, he sat out in the dugout the entirety of halftime with his head in his hands in front of the wow. cameras. So if there was a significant of, you know, image to be beamed around France of us, you know, almost resigning the fact that that's our stuff, that was it. He, he did not even go into the changing room and give a team talk. He sat outside mm-hmm. with his head in his hands at halftime. You think, geez, mate, come on, <laughs> like and at least try and get the boys going. So Ajen really now are, um, they are in, in the shit big time. But to be fair to Bayonne, they, they went there. It was sort of that high pressure, the negative pressure game and both teams played. They, they, they played not extraordinary, but positive rugby. Um, there's a freak of nature on the wing in Bayonne. Uh, Rakakutuvu was his name, the Fijian uh, Sevens International. Yeah. So he just joined this year, played for the, on the wing for the, the All Blacks and Sevens. Oh, mate, you, you, you're going to see him. You're going to hear a lot of him. So he scored a, a 60-meter try, bumping off three guys, chipping over, catching it, scoring. You're going to hear a lot about him. But the rest of top 14 now, the, the, the big main game, after obviously the big Clermont win, which we can talk about as much as you want, with uh, <laughs> Kotaro Matsushima basically making lo- me look like an idiot because he is gradually yeah, yeah. getting better and better and better. And he's really delivering some strong performances. So, so well done to him. With the first captaincy of Arthur Ituria, I was thrilled with Fritz Lee still being on the pitch, but concentrating on just being the hell of a player that he is. Uh, and Arthur Ituria led the team. So it's big to their first, finally, uh, bonus points. Uh, offensive bonus point for a win at home for that they haven't seen in what over a year or something like that at the 82nd minute. So I think psychologically it's a big big shift and a big difference for 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 Clermont, which with that win at the time they were almost co-leader, almost number one. Uh, so it was big. But the big win of the weekend is racing losing the Champions Cup final. I've been there five times. So I know on a Sunday, you're not feeling well. On the Monday, you've got the weight of the world on your, on your face. And that you come up with a lot of, of, of noise. Let's go. Let's go back again. We're going to win. Blah, blah, blah. But there is 50% belief in your soul. And you desperately need to, to, to get back on the horse as soon as possible. They rotated the squad. So Anthony Klassen didn't play. Jonathan Jordan Joseph played at number eight. Uh, they, Finn Russell didn't play. The little Germain played. Um, they, they, so they obviously rotated quite a lot. But they can rotate Simon Zebo with Kurnebil, which is not too bad. Uh, and and they pulled out a hell of a performance. Stade Francais were so it's the local derby, obviously the Paris derby. So it's a big 
um, emotional importance. Stade Francais were dominating them for 60 minutes, not a problem. Then they scored a try, they start coming back. An incredible, <laughs> an incredible captain's decision where there's four points different at the 78th minute or something like that, you go for the post. And when he starts actually doing a math in his head, and like, well, no, actually, we need a bit more than that. Let's go to touch. And the ref is like, no, sorry, Matt, you pointed at the post already. They kick it through, they get it. They have one last shot. They need to steal the line out from Stade Francais, get a penalty, get back in the half. They do so, and they get the 30, 83rd minute penalty that is kicked through by that young Germain, the young 10. And, and, he, and he knocked it over. I was telling Johnny before the show, I mean, they jumped in the air. The 35 guy, even the, the guys who weren't involved in the game and stuff, like they won the World Cup. So you could tell the relief of leaving the burden of that Champions Cup behind them, confirming that, so listen, we, we lost Champions Cup, let's go win top 14. And the, the best thing to back uh, a big speech is to deliver a good performance, and they did so. And as much as I, I want to hate them, because I'm Stade Francais and not racing, and you, you have to pick and choose, you can't be both. They hats off to that the performance because that showed a lot of grit, a lot of solidarity, and, and a lot of resilience. So Henri, Henri Chavancy maybe not turning up to maths class, and, and is, <laughs> is, is, he, is, he, is he heading back into the change rooms afterwards saying, I don't know what you worried about, that, that was all deliberate, it was all part of the It plan. was 100% deliberate. He's like, nah, because we, did, we didn't want to just tie the game, we wanted to win it, so to win <laughs> it, we need to go lines. twice. Never in doubt. No, no, he was just laughing. He was just laughing about it, but good on him. It was a perfect strategy. And we spoke about your COVID test earlier at the start of the show, Johnny, um, and there's a couple more games off in the top 14 this weekend because of yeah. positive tests, so... Bayon Toulon and Leon Montpellier have both been postponed. Are we realistically going to see all of the games completed this season? I know this is going to happen in the Premiership all around the world, but there are games being called off, postponed at the moment in the top 14 all over the place. So we're not going to get them all finished, are we? I think it's it's the same way that, without getting too political, but that, that, that we're sort of dealing with the whole COVID situation. It's impossible in terms of communication to say they, they will be dead. They will be dead then we can live with it that as long as there's not too many. They can never say that. So we have to go to lockdown. We have to do our absolute best to try to support our health systems and stuff. And I'm all for it. And I feel that in top 14, it's the same thing. They can't say, listen, in January, with no crowds now, at least four or five clubs will not be able to pay the wedge. Impossible. And I feel that at the moment they're saying, listen, we're going to postpone the games because if we give them loss right now, we're almost, we, we, they, they will end up by doing it. You're right. But they don't want to take a communi- the, the decision now because in terms of communication, it's, it's too hard. The same way that they think in February, top 14 will be shaken up, but Altrad will pull a check. Montpellier will not go down. Racing will, pull a che- will not go down because Lorenzetti will pull a check. Dr. Wilde, the Stade Francais, if he doesn't get too pissed off, he will pull a check, no problem. But Toulouse, main sponsor is Airbus. Airbus are wow. shivering. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's going to be very, very complicated. And I feel that in terms of communication, they can't say, yes, two clubs will die. They can't say it. So they're leaving it to the last minutes, stretching everything out. But I mean, last night, out of nowhere, I was speaking to Franck Azema because last time I went back to Clermont, I, we sort of exchanged in text, but I couldn't see him. And he said, you, you have to understand. I was like, oh, so is it heavy and stuff? And he's like, yeah, it's heavy, but you have to understand the amount of time we spend on COVID testing. It's, an, it's two other extra trainings. 
They get tested on Monday. If one is positive out of three tests, if three positive tests, they can't play the weekend. So they're like, listen, who's going to play and who's not? And who was there? He, he said, I have to manage my side like I've never had to do before. And it's not, you know, when on Monday you used to come in, everybody does the medical screening. Oh, Johnny has got a dead leg. Let's just assess him on Wednesday. We'll see how he is. But now it's, you come in in the morning, somebody's, you might have COVID or whatever, get the test, assess him, put him on the side, we'll, we'll assess it on, on Wednesday. And so it's, it's, it's become central to all those decisions and stuff. There will be a lot more postponed games. It's going to happen for sure. And I don't think all the, it's not. I don't think I know that none of all those games will be played because it's just simply impossible. Absolutely impossible. There's no way. But they cannot can it now. And even like the the interior minister, what's that in English? He came out last night and said, "Look, there's no way that we can close down sporting events. Everything is going to happen. Everything that's professional in rugby, so top 14, Pro D2, and Federal One is going to keep going. Saturday, Sundays, Fridays will keep on happening. But I cannot see or I can't see the time." when the fixture pileup is going to come, they say, right, well, now you lot, you've got this catch up, so you play every Wednesday and Saturday. Like, I've just, logistically, I've got no way of seeing how the LNR can force teams to start playing through a fixture pileup, especially when there's Champions Cup, there's Six Nations rugby. You're essentially going to have a situation where academy kids are going to have to play games for the full pros. There's no other way of doing it, which isn't safe. So, logistically, I don't see how it's going to work. And in terms of a player safety some guys might have to front up and play six games in two weeks, which is ridiculous. Um, and I just cannot see a situation where that is allowed to happen. People are going to get injured. People are going to get hurt. So I think they're going to let it run its course and three weeks before the end say, look, fellas, we're sorry, but thank you for entertaining us every odd Saturday and every odd weekend for the past few months, but we can't have a winner. We'll have the same situation that we had last year. I, I cannot fathom any other way of it, of it happening. So that's how it's going to roll out, I reckon. So a couple of games postponed, but any any particular that catch your eye this weekend? What are you looking forward to? Well, we talked about the Stads uh, Racing Derby, and then there's the clermont brive Derby, which is not really a derby because Brive is still 170, 170 k's away. But they love it to, to... I don't know why, actually. You know, Clermont is a very humble, hardworking town. But the idea behind it is that Brive are the real rugged... Um, uh, down-to-earth people and that Clermont are full of cash and money because of Michelin. We're going to stuff all those posh guys. And, you know, it's a bit like Leicester playing Wasp in the good old days. Um, and, uh, and and they've created this, this derby that doesn't really exist, but it gets very, very heated. And without a crowd, it, we'll see if that has an impact or not. But Clermont going down there, it's a big, big, it's a big one for Clermont considering how well they're doing at the moment. Finally, bonus point last week. They're trying to build... Um, and there's a, there's a big, big dyna- uh, sort of human dynamic, you know, um, sort of heart dynamic inside the squad that needs to deliver uh, the, 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 the fruit of all this dynamic on the pitch. And that's in brief. I think a tough one to call again is going to be Poe against La Rochelle. So Poe who haven't really hit their straps, but are sticking together some wins against La Rochelle team that's absolutely flying. So again, not a derby, but a game that I'm looking forward to watching because Poe, um, you know, with Paul Tito, who's down there now with Conrad Smith, a couple of their Anglo coaches have strung together some decent rugby with a few young French kids coming through that have done a decent job against the La Rochelle machine that is, is churning at some pace under John O'Gibbs and uh, Ron O'Gara. So looking forward to that one. That should um, should have a few, a few sparks flying. And just quickly before we finish, there's a few rumours flying around the top 14 at the moment, aren't there? So we mentioned him earlier, Teddy Thomas, fast as anything. Can you see him moving to Toulouse? 
I thought you were going to talk about the fact that the hook, the young hooker of Clermont got injured and they're looking for a medical joker. No, I'm not going back to rugby, mate. I mean, I Have you had a phone call? The quiz. I chuck, he did actually call me. He did actually call me. I'm looking at my wife like, see, they want me back, huh? No, she wants to talk to me and about He's like, yeah, how you doing? No, yeah, are you coming down? Come for dinner one day. He says, no, he knows I'm completely all rusty and, and good for the bin. But I, I don't see Teddy Thomas leaving. No way, Jose. Good agent. Well done. He's going to milk that one dry. Absolutely. All of a sudden, oh, Montpellier want me. Toulouse want me. Uh, Stade Francais want me. Then that's the tip. And then Laurent will get pissed off and be like, right, right, he's staying here. And then done. So good agent work. It's it's good professionalism. But no, I don't think he's going anywhere. And has, um, has Verimi Vakatawa got the same agent as Teddy Thomas? Because there's rumours flying around about him to the premiership. Well, that's the one danger for me. I don't think French presidents are worried about other French clubs because they can always just pull out the checkbook. But it's when English and foreign clubs come in that they don't know and they don't have those lines of communication that they start to worry. So, I mean, Radradra has been the first high-profile guy to go over and take up a big paycheck after being at Toulon and Bordeaux. I mean, Vakatawa, I'm not sure what the rules are. I mean, I'm not sure what Fabian Galtier would say if he, if he moved across the channel and went to play in England. There's no rule. Like the rules that we have in the UK, there's nothing to stop him going. But... I think the FFR would like to have him and like to look after him and like protect him. Yeah. So in his interest to stay in France and uh, stay part of that network. But I mean, he has been phenomenal and there's no wonder that he's piquing the interest and the clubs that has been, he said Gloucester, Bath, Harlequins, all looking for their, their marquee player. Um, and he would be a wonderful addition to any team. So for Jackie Lorenzetti, he's got a team that's absolutely flying. He's got X Factor players that have been sensational for a couple of years now. So He's gonna have. He's gonna have to keep bringing out that checkbook and signing some fairly hefty checks. But you don't see him going to the English Premiership, do you? I mean, no, to, to be honest, <laughs> I think Semi Radradra is not French. Virimi Vakatoa might be Fijian origins, okay, but he's been in France for what for thirteen years, I think, something like yeah. that. He's been at racing for twelve or eleven of those years. He's he speaks perfect French. He is French. He's one of those guys that's been here for that long. He's very attached to Paris. He loves the the, the chilled um, side of Paris. That you know, there's no heavy burden of sort of uh, of of rugby in there because nobody really cares about rugby. Um, and and there's also the fact that remember that he was the only player ever to play for the French team while being contracted by the Federation. So he was contracted by the Rugby Sevens, started actually being the training squad with us in the, in, in, in the 15s, and then ended up playing. So he's got the tightest bond that no other player has ever had uh, with the French Federation. And I think he, he, he sort of sees that he owes them one uh, and, and vice versa. So as long as the money is decent, I don't see him going anywhere either. No. But it is the best time of year. Contract time in France is definitely the most entertaining time of the season. There's all sorts of like, so Urda Belletta and Antoine Tichy going to leave cast and go and join um, Urios up in Bordeaux. You've got Jordan Joseph, the eight at Racing, who's not getting too much game time. But you've got, I think you've got, I think you've got four or five top class eights maybe finishing end of this year. So if you're a young number eight in France, your numbers up and your hot property. You've got Yuan Uge, who we said might be leaving Toulouse. That was why they said that Teddy Thomas might be going there. He might be heading to Bayonne. So the merry-go-round at this time in France is good fun. Um, and that, again, for me, Uge, like if he leaves Toulouse, where does he go? Who's got budget to take on Yuan Uge? It's a huge signing if somebody can get him. Um, and I can't see Bayonne having the finance to, to bring him. But it's definitely the most um, entertaining part of the year in France is when contract time is up and all these conversations start spinning. And you mentioned Bayern. This one's not really a, a rumour, but what do you make of the situation surrounding 
a winger there, Jibril Kamara, because he left Stade Francais under a bit of a cloud. And I think he's still in a legal dispute with them. Um, he's obviously got injury issues, but he's missed training a few times. And Bayern have put him on sick leave, have they, until the end of the season? So what's going on there? Do you know him, Benji? Man, he's, he's a lovely bloke that comes from from a tough background. Um, so he had, he, had, he had to fight for everything that he's got very hard. Uh, he's got the fire inside him that you need to control. And if you don't, he'll blow up on you. He remember he's the 19 year old that had the good old days when you had you needed to have two guys per club that were doing the geolocalization don't you call that so you could you need to track and trace basically where you were all the time because they couldn't come and anti and do the doping test on you anytime any day anywhere and you and Uge happened the same thing they got suspended for a year or not a year maybe but for a few months whatever for three no shows. Oh. So it's always, you know, oh, it's not my fault, you understand, because this, because that. But he, he just plays, he's a bit cheeky, uh, but he, I think he's got a good heart. Um, I know he's got a good heart. He, he's got a lot of rugby talent inside him. Pwah. But you could see when he plays, he's got that fire and that grit and, and that aggressivity about him. Um, what, does, what worries me is that he left Stad in a dispute, okay, because things were complicated in Stad. He's asking them, I think, for 750 grand, so... And he'll, he'll get most of that because they couldn't, you can't just chuck people out of the window like that. Yannick Brug picked him up in Bayonne, but for knowing Yannick, he doesn't like that sort of special attitude. You need to be a soldier. You need to drive yourself properly. And if you can, have, you can make one mistake, but if you make three, that means you're looking for it. So if he moves again, the talent is there. He just needs the right either leadership squad or coach to actually handle him as, as a little brother. But, but he's, got, he's got a good heart, but too much fire. So I heard through the rugby network down in Bayonne that he basically had had a couple of ding-dongs with Yannick. And then it came to, oh, not confrontational, but back and forth in verbals in a video session. And that was it. That was his third strike and they were gone. But I also know having been at Bayonne, knowing the president, knowing how he operates, like he's a slippery, snaky fish. I know that they would do anything to offload people and save money so that the club could balance books or they could save cash. So I know that... It looks bad for him, you know, to be in the papers and to be dismissed by a club, like you said, sick leave. But I think what happens in France, they give you three opportunities or they give you three, they call them faute grave. If you do three bad things, at the third one, they can give you a letter and fire you and they don't have to pay you. And it's essentially a cost-cutting scheme. And knowing Philippe Tayeb and the way he operates, because he is a snake as the president, it wouldn't surprise me if they've just got rid of him because he's had a clash of personalities and they decided, well, it's no good, so we'll get rid of him and save some bucks. Um, which is a real shame. I mean, obviously, he's had that situation with Heineken Mayer where I think, again, the club was looking to change the culture, change personnel, and they offloaded three or four people, and a lot of people take check, took checks just to go. He was too proud. He stood and fought his ground, and that's why he's ended up, again, going to court to battle for a pay. I think it's 1.1 million was written in the press, Benji, this week. 1.1 or 1.2 million, he's going to court with Stade Francais. But a real shame, again, for somebody's career, career to be stalled like that. Because like you said, he's a phenomenal talent. He's a talented athlete. He's, I think he's got three or four French caps. He was outstanding for Stade Francais. Um, and you don't want to see somebody's character being tarnished like that and them not finding a club and be able to play at the end of the day. So um, here's hoping it gets resolved quickly. Um, he gets his payout and he can move on and find another team. So this could be a second legal dispute for him then, because presumably yeah. if there is that rule where you've got three strikes and you're out, it's all subjective, isn't it? So they dismiss the player, then presumably the player goes and does seek legal advice. 
Yeah, but that may, it is the way it is. The, th- the thing is, for for instance, for Bayonne, like I can't, I'm not there to say exactly what happened, but I know that as soon as you send that letter, they're off the payroll. So they're off the payroll on your balance book for this year. It, does, it, goes, for, it goes to a tribunal in two years' time. So it gets disputed in court in two years. So it doesn't come off this year's budget. So if they just want to protect their budget, they can offload people. It's a really sly way of reducing your budget. And often you get presidents that can make up things. I've had people say, oh, we sent you two letters, but you, you never had anything. You get a third letter to say you're fired through the post. That happened to guys at Montpellier when I was there. There was three players that got a letter through the post, I think three weeks before preseason to say, that's it, you're gone. Wow. Um, and, and these things happen in France. It's one of those things that isn't really talked about, but it is crazy and a bit of a roller coaster. But on, on the other side, you can also be Marvin O'Connor, which is that little winger who got sacked from three consecutive clubs. So he <laughs> took a check every guys. single time. <laughs> yes. But he took a check every single time. The guy is like 26 or whatever. He can sign. He's a millionaire. He, he took 1.5 million euros out of out of legal disputes. Yeah, I'll take my check. I'll go. Mate, you, take your, you take your three years contract then you can go i think he signed three years in montpellier he got sacked after one so he took Stade the check he signed four years in Stade Francais, and he got sacked after one so he took the three years but i, I do that so it can it, will, it can work out in your favor well we will we will see what happens to jibril camera and um hopefully he does find another club because clearly his, his time seems like it's up in bayard thanks johnny thanks benji and thanks to all of you guys for listening as well uh, make sure you hit subscribe follow us on social media leave us a review And we'll be back with another episode next week. Au revoir, guys. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.